and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema is K1, a.k.a. Kevin. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Glad to be here. Also joining us is the writer and artist of the comic book Catbeard the Pirate, Matt Nelson. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And joining us from next Sunday AD is Hamish. I'm a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> And last but not least, joining us is a very special guest, a very talented guy whose work you can currently see as the puppetry of one Crow T. Robot in the return of Mystery Science Theater 3000, Grant Pachoka, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It is so, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thank you. This is, yeah, very exciting. So uh, for, for those listening, you know, in, in late 2015, the creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000, Joel Hodgson, launched a... A very successful Kickstarter campaign to bring back the show after nearly 18 years. It was a resounding success, raising over $5.7 million. I think it beat Veronica Mars's record for a yes, movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, <laughs> that was so <quick>. now, <laughs> yeah. So now, after years of waiting, we finally get some new episodes on Netflix with a whole new cast. And Grant is the puppeteer of Crow. It's so great. Yeah, thank you. I should I should say that uh, I am the lead puppeteer on Crow, but uh, Carla Rudy, who is also another puppeteer who worked on the show, is responsible for pretty much all of Crow's arm work. So uh, Joel really wanted the robots to have a bigger range of motion uh, this time around and be able to do more things. And uh, so Crow became a puppet that was worked by one person to a puppet that was worked by two people. So uh, Carla just did an amazing job on all the arm stuff that you see Crow doing. That is, uh, you know, I would say 99.9% is Carla uh, doing all those crazy um, arm motions. So it was a team effort. I'm not taking all the credit. Oh, very nice. But yeah, you you can definitely tell that the the, the robots have a, a bigger range of motion this time around. Not to mention a flying Tom Servo. That was uh, very interesting to see for the first time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With functional arms, too. Yeah, yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, and a lot of times, even for for Tom, like, um, there's the, the, the song he does about Space Church, and he's flying around. I think it's in Star Crash. Um, these are right. spoilers, Star by Crash, the way. yes. <laughs> yeah, as he's flying around, that took... I think there were four people working him at that point because there was one person on each arm and then one person on the head and one person on the on the his hover skirt. So uh, he even had more than uh, Crow at some point, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it was that we had a great team of five puppeteers and, um, you know, really just some of the the best people working today in puppetry wise uh, working on this show. And um, it was a lot of fun and we had a lot of fun doing it. It's very cool. Yeah, I was going to say it probably would have had to take a few people. Uh, I was just thinking of the uh, the scene in the Hercules one where he flies over and gets swatted away by Hercules. Yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, usually when Tom's flying around, uh, it it did take multiple people to do that. But uh, we really it was it was fun because uh, when we were recording the the movie segments, um, they had it set up where we were going to. Uh, like something simple, like in the in the first uh, one, Reptilicus, there is that great line where uh, they say, well, did the lightning knock the movie out of focus? Because mm-hmm. the movie goes out of focus. And yeah. it's, it's really great. And then Jonah, Tom and Crow all put on 3D glasses and uh, to try and make the image better. And um, the, the, you know, that was one of the first 
kind of bits we did in the theater. And one of the things they said was like, well, when we get to that point, we will say freeze and you guys all freeze in a position and then we'll say unfreeze because that's the end of the action. So freeze, but like as they're putting on the 3D glasses, freeze when they're taking the glasses off. And then we'll film those separately so that, um, you know, we don't waste a whole thing. But like all the puppeteers were like, no, we could do this. We can do <laughs> We could do it. And um, like it totally uh, made the production crew so happy because they were like, oh, wow, you can do a lot of this stuff just, you know, in the in the moment. And it was like, yeah, we're a team of five puppeteers. We can make it happen. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so a lot of that stuff like the, um, you know, the putting on the three glasses and the in Cry Wilderness, the drinking out of the Coke cans and all that oh, stuff that's... that was all done live during the, you know, uh, we would do the movie in nine minute segments. So. Uh, and it really, in the minds of the production crew, really uh, streamlined things. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh, so, well, can you talk a little bit about your experience with puppetry going into this? Sure. Like, I, I saw that you were working with the uh, the Jim Henson company. Yeah, um, that's actually how I uh, met Hamish originally, was um, I do a show with the Jim Henson company called Puppet Up Uncensored. And it is uh, sort of like the, the easiest way to describe it is whose line is it anyway, but with puppets. <laughs> um, so, and but it's live on stage. And uh, I've been very fortunate to do a lot of shows with them. And one of the shows I did was we got to go to Australia to the uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival. And uh, that's where I met Hamish face to face. Although we met we met virtually online via the app Vine uh, ah. before that. Yeah. But that's where we you know, we uh, met face to face for the first time. So, yeah, um, I, 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 to mention the show, yeah, it was, it's a great show. If you ever get a chance to see it, because I remember you guys doing it was a James Bond spoof. Someone called yep. out and it's like, yeah, oh, dude, James Bond. And you set the whole thing up. You even had like, you have a, a camera on stage as well to do was it the gun barrel sequence as well. Yeah. And, it, and it's great because you see the two different sides of it because they have a camera on stage to film what, what they're actually performing on in the scene. But you also have the actors as well. So you can see how they're actually you know, uh, composing the scene, you know, seeing the two actors working as one to create one character. Uh, and it, it's great. It's a great experience. I thought it was it just a marvelous time. But yeah, it, it is very much like whose line is it anyway with our puppets. But the best thing about uh, Grant coming down is he bought his friend Uncle Interloper. <laughs> he's he's, <laughs> he's a, he's a, a puppet great, character. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a great little guy. Yeah, that was a, that was that's how uh, Hamish and I met was I, do, I did this puppet character on Vine called Uncle Interloper, his little dog puppet. And uh, just doing these silly six-second videos. And um, I was impressed with Hamish's creativity using Vine as well. So we were natural to uh, hook up and message back and forth. And then I was like, hey, I'm coming to Australia. I'll see (laughs) you. So uh, very fortunate. So I was working with the Jim Henson Company. And how I originally met Joel uh, was before I was even kind of doing puppets was I did a podcast for... um, I started a podcast back in 2004 with a friend of mine called The Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd. And uh, it was like a family-friendly time travel adventure. It's still online. People can still check it out. But uh, we we kind of uh, we had this thing where we would kind of ask sort of famous people to be on the show. And more often than not, they said yes. And I was such a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater that a friend of mine was friends with uh, Joel, or he knew Joel Hodgson. And I said, Hey, you think Joel would want to do this show? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he would. This is back in like 2005. And I'm sure he would. Uh, I'll ask him. And so that's kind of how I got in touch with Joel. Joel came on the show. He played uh, Blackbeard the Pirate. 
um, which was a lot of fun. Just having Joel's kind of sleepy voice as Blackbeard, the you know this bloodthirsty pirate. He's like, "Hey guys, who, this is what we're gonna do." Um, you know, it was a lot of fun, and uh, and then we just kind of kept in touch. And he had me because I, you know, uh, he had heard the episodes and he thought they came out great. He had me do some audio work with him, and then right after that is when Cinematic Titanic came out. Um, which was the riffing group that he did with some other Mystery Science Theater uh, alums. Mm-hmm. And I said, what can I do? Can I sweep the floor? What can I, you know, like <laughs> I will do anything to get to work with you guys. Um, you know, just let me know what to do. And he goes, well, we have this one job uh, and nobody wants to do it. So you can do it. <laughs> and uh, it was basically uh, watching the movies that they were going to riff and recreating the shooting script so that they could insert their jokes into the shooting script. So all the movies that they riffed, I watched pretty much second by second, writing down everything that happened (laughs) and creating a shooting script for them to then put their jokes into. Um, And then uh, going back to Puppet Up, I was on tour with Puppet Up and uh, Joel lives out on the East Coast and he happened to live near where we were doing a show. And he said, you know, I was like, hey, Joel, we're going to be in town. You want to come see the show? And he goes, yeah. And he saw the puppet stuff and... Uh, a couple years after that, he was like, oh, you know, I'm thinking of having the the robots for a, a Turkey Day special that we're doing. Would you want to come puppeteer the robots? <laughs> I said, would I? Wow. <laughs> I will be there. So that's kind of the story how I got involved. And uh, I haven't messed up too badly because he's still asking me back to do things. So uh, it's been it's been a totally dream come true because I have been a huge Mystery Science Theater fan since high school. You know, I discovered the show like 91, I think, 91, 92, and have been a huge fan ever since. Now, I, I have to ask, too, I, I was looking at your bio and uh, you were mentioning uh, about being on uh, Dr. Demento and uh, opening for Weird Al. Can you can you talk about that? Sure. Um, yeah, I had a, um, I still do, because I still do perform as uh, Throwing Toasters is the name of the comedy music group. And um, I just started in, I've always been a Dr. Demento Weird Al fan, and I started uh, kind of writing my own uh, song parodies in high school. And then in college, after I, gra- it was after I graduated from college, I was like, man, I wish I could get out and perform more. And I was like, well, what if I kind of taught myself guitar and then went and uh, kind of wrote my own comedy songs and stuff like that. So uh, I would just look up chords to Bare Naked Ladies songs because I was a big <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies fans at the time uh, on the internet and then learn how to play those songs, but then rearrange the chords. Uh, so they weren't parodies, but I would just rearrange. I go, oh, now I know how to make an A chord and I know it goes with an E chord. So I'll put those two together and kind of wrote my own silly songs and started doing stand-up uh, comedy music show, you know, just at open mics and stuff like that in San Francisco. And then about a year or so after that, I moved down to L.A. and was doing comedy down there and just started this comedy music act and uh, released a couple CDs and got on Dr. Demento. And, um, yeah, then I was really fortunate one day. Uh, my manager at the time called me and just said, hey, uh, you know, this this venue just called me and they're looking for an act to open for Weird Al. Would you want to do it? And again, I was like, <laughs> yes, I will do wow. it. Um, so I only opened uh, for him in uh, one show. But from what I heard, he didn't have any other opening acts that, that whole tour. Uh, it was the Straight out of Linwood tour, um, mm-hmm. as, as, at least as far as I know. So I was like, yeah, I was his opening act for the whole tour, even though it was only one show. Uh, <laughs> you only need one show. That's it. That's how amazing it is. That's right. That's right. One and done. I'm out. Yeah. Technically correct is the best kind of correct. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's my favorite. Now, uh, you know, just going back to uh, MST3K, 
uh, throughout the various incarnations of the the show, the voices of the bots always ended up doing the puppetry. So uh, before taking on the the crow mantle here, did you get any advice from the previous crows, Trace Ballou or or uh, Bill Corbett? You know what? I I wish I would have, and uh, I guess that is still. Um... That is still that door's open because I mean I worked with Trace on Cinematic Titanic and mm-hmm. uh, and I just haven't reached out to him. But when we did the very first Turkey Day, there were uh, you know I was watching it live as it was going and people were commenting and stuff. And then I was I was kind of looking at uh, what people were saying online and there were several comments um, and some kind of directed towards Trace because Trace did the voice of Crow during that. Uh, during that thing. I did the puppetry, but he did the voice. And somebody said something about like, um, oh, well, we, you know, we, we knew you weren't doing the puppetry because Crow didn't seem as lively as he, <laughs> you know, he used to be. And I, I, I was a huge fan and I've seen just about, I don't, I won't say I've seen every single episode, but I've seen most of the episodes. And as soon as I read that comment, you know, or you know, after I read that comment, I went back and I watched and I was like, oh yeah, I mean, there is so much more you can do with Crow. Uh, so I really took that to heart, you know, and I really was like, okay, next time I get a shot at Crow, I'm, uh, you know, I don't think I can, you know, Trace did that for so long and he was so amazing at it. I, I'm not saying I could ever get up to his level, but, um, and it's uh, being a puppeteer who's mostly worked with sort of Henson style puppets, Crow is a completely different kind of puppet. And it is, uh, he's a heavy puppet as well. He's v- super heavy. And, so I don't ever think that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the level of Trace, but um, certainly reading those comments and then going back and watching what Trace was able to do with the, the and watching what Bill was able. I'm not excluding Bill either because uh, Bill um, w- was amazing with him as well. Um, you know, I n- may never get to their level, but I'm certainly going to make it a goal to try. And, um, you know, uh, I hope uh, and especially, you know, adding the arms and stuff uh, to Crow now makes a, a really, I think, a really great version. I know there's some uh, people don't like him having uh, the range of movement, but I, I think that that he can do a lot more and it's a lot more fun. And to me, it, it's not, uh, as a longtime fan, it's not distracting. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, wait, oh, sudden his arms move. What? Well, I, I Turn this off. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it just seems more natural to me. It's like, oh, he's a robot and robots arms would move, you know? Yeah. So. I was going to ask something, actually, about the crow robot. You mentioned him being heavy and all that. As someone who almost built a full one once, not a crow, I got a <laughs> servo, got a servo. When you guys are using crow these days, I'm assuming his legs still aren't attached when you're puppeteering him most of the time? Right, yeah. When okay. he's at the when he's at the desk, he's he's cut off right below his, um, hmm. uh, sort of the second cone. Okay. I don't know what you would call it. But, but yeah, there's noticed, two cones underneath him. I did yeah. notice um, that he's got like a double bicep thing going on now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. His arms are a little thicker and his hands are bigger, um, which is uh, kind of a design that Joel wanted. And um, he, uh, part of that is so that the rod to control his arms... Uh, can go through it goes in through the back of his elbow so having having those arms just uh, sort of they're sort of doubled up is 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 a little bit to hide the rod you don't you don't see the rod as much um you know coming through up to up to his hand and i just loved when you know the first pictures came out and people were like crow's been lifting he's been working out (laughs) and it's like yeah he's he's able to use his arms now so he's built up a lot of muscle you know yeah, it was actually it was actually one of the first things I noticed. I was like, "Oh, he's got double arm things going on now." 
I will admit, the aesthetics were probably the first thing I started looking at, uh, you know, being an art nerd. I started looking at the aesthetics of the show right away, and I was like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm digging this. Now, am I mistaken, or did they do something similar to Tom? Does he have two rings on his hover skirt now, or am I mistaken? It looks thicker somehow. Uh, I don't, th- um, it might be a little bit different. Um, uh, maybe it's I just- know. I don't know, maybe it's just the way it's shot, or it could be different, just because it's different, I could just be misremembering it, too. Yeah, I don't, I, I think, I think his, the base is pretty much the same. He's got, um, in the host segments, he has kind of articulated arms. I know originally, like, uh, one of Joel's ideas was that uh, he would have, like, the the range of motion that he has in the theater, he would have in the host segment, and it was going to be uh, puppeteers in green screen suits, complete green screen suits, like behind Tom moving his arms. And I think they just thought, well, that might just get way too technical. You know, um, that's fine for in the movie segments because we're, uh, you know, uh, we're shooting against a green screen. So you can have people in green screen suits doing that. But to try and key out someone who's standing right next to Jonah <laughs> in a green screen suit could get a little tricky. And I think <laughs> they just decided to make it a little easier. Uh, but Russ Walco. I think this was Russ's idea, and I'm, I'm so sorry because I know uh, th- there's a, a guy named Robert who also helped build the bots. But uh, I think it was – I'm pretty sure it was Russ who kind of came up with the thing so that at least Tom can raise his arm in the host segments, uh, raise his arms you know, uh, to kind of gesture and stuff. Um, so it just gives him a little bit more movement as well in the, in the host segments. And again, very controversial, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> some people like it. Some people don't like it. Um, but I think you know, with all these kind of little changes – uh, Joel has kind of said, uh, and I, I don't mean to be speaking for Joel, but Joel has said like, well, if we would have had this technology back when we started the show back on KTMA, we would have used all this stuff. Um, you know, and, and back in KTMA, it was only five guys. It wasn't a crew of puppeteers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't think he's gone full Lucas yet. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, speaking of CG, I was really happy to hear that because when I saw the parts of Tom flying in there, I just assumed that it was CG. But, you know, it's going to be easy enough to do. But when I heard it was puppeteers in there, I was like, oh, cool. That's yeah. so much cooler. Yeah. And I have um, I've been doing a I started a series for the um, MST3K.com, the official website, where um, I'm going to go episode by episode and talk a little bit about the puppetry. And then I have some fun behind the scenes pictures. And so, like, I have a picture um, I actually have a little video clip. I just don't know if uh, if uh, it'll. Po- I'm sure they could post it. I don't know if they would want to post it because it's all. I send all the stuff to them, and then it's up to them if they want to post it or not. But um, like that, I mentioned the the space church thing. I have a little video clip of the puppeteers puppeteering that part without the back. You know, so you see them all in their green screen suits, uh, <laughs> moving Tom Servo around, and it's kind of a fun little behind the scenes. This is how we did it. Um, you know, uh, clip. Uh, so. Yeah, it, it's uh, most of the stuff in there. I think there may have been one or two kind of like, you know, in Premiere or Adobe or uh, the, which I think are the same thing. But in After Effects or whatever, they they may have moved Servo to a certain place in the screen. So he fits a little bit better. But all his movements in terms of his arms and his head and stuff like that were all done live um, in the theater. Wow. Yeah, Matt uh, just kind of mentioned about, you know, building or getting into trying to build his own Tom Servo. I know Kevin has a uh, Tom Servo that he built as well. So as a fan of the show, before your involvement, did, did you ever try to get into it, especially with your experience in puppetry, uh, trying to build one of the bots? 
No, no. Um, I was always a fan, and I always, uh, you know, you know what uh, original mystery science theater character that really intrigued me puppet- puppetry wise, and still does to this day, uh, were the nanites because I just thought that they were, which were later in the later years of the show, mm-hmm. um, were these little characters, and I just thought they looked really great and. They, they played with scale really well. And so I remember like being fascinated and trying to look up like, oh, how were those built? Because I would love to know how big one of those were. And it turns out they were much bigger than I thought they were. Um, then, uh, Weren't they know. cassette tapes or something? Yeah, they were like VHS tapes, I think, or something like that. So like they're they're about that size, uh, maybe a little smaller. Yeah, So I, but I never... Uh, never myself did I want to build one. My brother was a, uh, is or was a huge Tom Servo fan. And I think like right at the right around, you know, it was towards towards the end of the show. I saw like, oh, you can order a kit on eBay from from this guy and you could put together one. And I always thought about doing that. But I don't think I'm very kind of artistic and crafty in that way of assembling something like I when I first started getting into puppets, I tried to build my own puppets. And I did. I built like, you know, four or five of them. But I I would never show them, you know, uh, to people, uh, you know, outside of the people who I either built them for or whatever, just because I was like, well, these aren't very good. Um, so I, I just kind of I think I kind of thought like I could get this. I could try and put it together. But, oh, you need a drill. Oh, you need a Dremel tool. Forget it. <laughs> it's too much for me. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was was nerve wracking, you know, putting it together anytime it was like, OK, now drill through the, you know, the globe on Tom's. <laughs> on Tom and I'm like I don't know about this yeah well and I would even with this new series I would go help Russ because Russ uh, Russ Walco who's the other lead puppeteer on the show uh, was assembling a lot of the robots and um, for you know the new arms that you mentioned uh, we realized that they had to be bolted in a certain way they had to be bolted together a certain way otherwise through Crow's movements the screws and nuts would come loose and then the arm would just fall apart so um, I think we had five or six working crows that we could, you know, five or six of each robot that we could swap out and put in costumes and whatever just during the production so we could keep the production rolling along. And uh, I, you know, it, it came to me to assemble a lot of these crows arms and make sure that they were put together the right way. And even just doing that, which you think like, oh, once you do the first one, you can do the other you know, uh, 12 of them, uh, you know, other uh, 11 of them easily. But like my mind is like, I'm not crafty. I'm not good. I'm not like my dad, who's a great, uh, you know, a builder and technical guy. And I'm not like Russ, who's a great builder and technical guy. And it would take me like so long to do one arm. But I'd be like, OK, just get it away from me now. <laughs> I, I can't uh, I can't do this anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, so that assembling a, a bot would be way above me. I have huge major uh, kudos to anybody who has done that because it, it, that's not that's not what I can do. See, I really wanted to do a crow too, but at the time you couldn't find all the parts as easily as you can now on eBay, and for crow it was the way harder of the two. You really had to hunt for those parts. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, with crow probably what would send me into a complete meltdown would be uh the cutting the bowling pin like oh. I, I just i just i don't know thoughts of doing that like i i want to build a crow at some point but i i don't know <laughs> i'd be so terrified of screwing it, that up see i think i would enjoy that part <laughs> and isn't the paint discontinued as well the that particular tester's color paint or something I think we found out and I could be wrong about this but I think what we found out is they still make it they just call it something different. 
Ah, okay. Um, so that I think that happens a lot with painkillers. <laughs> yeah, because I think we did a joke with. Um, uh, I can't 100% say what this is because this, this would be a spoiler for something. But we did a joke where Tom was sitting in a makeup chair. This this hasn't been released yet, and he's look he looks over at the makeup artist and he says, "Oh, I'm testers number four or five. And we like we tried to look up the color because we thought it would be a funny joke if he says that's what his usual color is, you know. Um, <laughs> So and then we, I think that's when we found out that the name had changed to something else. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Ke- Kevin is uh, still uh, for anybody listening. Kevin is still on the lookout for a car seat to make Gypsy. Do you know? Do you remember what that is, <laughs> Kevin? Uh, the Century Infant Love Seat. That's a pretty old one. Yeah. You know. You know what's funny about? Uh, you mentioned the the car seat for Gypsy is that for this new series. Joel really wanted Gypsy to be come down from above as she does in this new series, which I think is great because it just gives her this. She can come from from the bottom. She can come down from above. She, you know, she's all over the ship. So it's yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. And originally, kind of his idea was that he was going to make Gypsy's head a little bit smaller, just so it would be easier to manage from up above. And it wouldn't be like a huge difference, but it would just be a little bit so it was lighter for the puppeteer uh, Tim Blaney, who is the puppeteer. Uh, the lead puppeteer on Gypsy for uh, for this return of Mystery Science Theater. Uh, and just they wanted to make it a little bit smaller. And the people who were going to make the mold got like the copy of the car seat. But then they just did like a I don't think that they 3D printed them, but they, you know, did vacuum form or whatever to get the mold. But they didn't <laughs> they didn't shrink it. So it was the same size. <laughs> and Joel was just like, well, we're just going to use it. That's what it's going to be. So poor Tim <laughs> had to get there with the full size, uh, you know, using bicep strength, his arm strength to hold it up. Um, and he did some just really fantastic, fun things with Gypsy. And uh, another fun thing is Tim Blaney, if you look him up online, he was... Um, you know, he was Johnny Five in Short Circuit. That's Tim Blaney. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. he was uh, Frank the Pug in Men in Black. You know, he's he's a puppeteer with some serious credits, and now he's Gypsy as well. So he, it's uh, Gypsy is not the first robot he's worked. Now, I read something, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I read something that, well, you guys do the body, and uh, Ham- Hampton is Crow, right? Yes, Hampton, Hampton I get, is I get them Crow. mixed up. Hampton Young, um, and then Baron Vaughn is Tom Servo. So now I read something that where like you, know, you guys do the body movement, and he's working a remote off screen somewhere for the mouth. Yes, uh, both Baron and Hampton have RC controls that control the servo of the mouth, um, and uh, they. How do you guys coordinate that? Where you make sure you're not. I don't know, like jerking his head around or where the other person's like, I don't know. I don't know. Tell us about that. (laughs) Uh, It it is a little it's a little difficult, but it is not um, a completely unheard of thing in the puppetry world. Like if you look at a show like Dinosaurs, uh, Jim Henson's Dinosaurs, that uh, classic show, you had somebody who was in the suit. Uh, walking around on the soundstage, and then you had somebody who was off stage or off camera, uh, controlling with what's called a Waldo, controlling the mouth of the character, and you may even have a third performer controlling another aspect of the character, and you uh, possibly could have somebody else doing the voice, and um, so it's it's just a lot of working together, and you know we shot these fourteen episodes in twelve days. We did fourteen ninety-minute oh. episodes in twelve days. So it was a, you know, a crush and it was um, a lot of, there was a lot of like, 
you know, can we go back and do that again? Because I think that, and nope, it looks good enough. We're moving on. You know, it's Mystery <laughs> Science Theater. It's good enough. We're moving on. And um, there was there were some takes where it was like, man, I would really like to see a second take of that. And it's like, oh, we don't have time. We got to keep going. But when you work together, I think you will find, even though we shot them over two weeks, um, there is an improvement because by the end of that, well, even because we shot all the movie segments uh, all in one week. And so all the host segment stuff was done in the second week. And definitely by the end of that second week, we uh, we got better at it and we were fine. And, and, and every once in a while, I would go over to, to Hampton and be like, you know, I, I during this part in the script, I see that, you know, Crow is going to say this. And I was thinking of doing this with his character. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Do that, you know, or, um, you know, uh, and, and it's and a lot of, as I said, it's not unheard of in the puppeteer world uh, to do this where somebody else is doing the voice. So it's not uh, it's something that's kind of second nature to us. You know, we're, we're good at listening. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and luckily the host segments, even though they're all shot at one take, most of them are not that long. And for something like, uh, um, the monster rap in Reptilicus for the puppeteers were like, whew, we don't have to do this. This is, uh, we don't have to do the voice. We just have to do the body. That's, that's great. You know, but that also frees us up because it's, we can do a lot more fun things. There's a really fun thing that in that monster rap segment where, uh, Carla, there's like a little breakdown and Carla does this great thing with Crow's arms and like he can't throw gang signs but you can almost imagine that that's what Crow <laughs> is doing in that thing you know, he's like, yeah, satellite love boy you know. Uh, I love that part <laughs> I was going to ask about that I wanted to hear more about that because I was curious how many takes did it take to get that right? You know what it didn't, um, to my memory, now I think Jonah, when Jonah's been asked about this, he says, oh, it took like eight takes or something. I don't remember it taking that long. I think we did like four or five takes, you know, because um, Jonah came, Jonah and those guys came in pretty much ready to go. And a lot of it was down in the what I call the puppet trench, but down below Jonah <laughs> at his feet. Not only were that was there myself and Carla Rudy on Crow and then Russ Walco over on Tom Servo. There was uh, Caroline and um, Aaron, who were two prop people, who were handing the things up to, up to Jonah, the little wow. statues of monsters up to Jonah. So you had I a lot of somebody people. had to be handing him those. Yeah, yeah, and they had to like you know every time we we would do another take, they had to be reset in the right order so that he got the right, you know, they were all numbered at the bottom, but so that he got the right one at the right time. Uh, and I think even, um, I think even. Eric, who's one of the other puppeteers, Eric Kuska, he was like, he's crazy. There's some great pictures that Aaron uh, Eric took because he was just everywhere. And I think he was even in the pit at that time because he was like, I got to take pictures of this because this is so funny with all <laughs> these people down here, you know, juggling, uh, wrangling all these monster things to hang up to him. So uh, hand up to him. So it was, uh, you know, I, I don't think everything is a blur from that week because we just shot like some days we were shooting like 40, 50 pages of script in one day. Uh, which is like crazy, um, but a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, like I don't remember it taking that many takes because I don't think they would have let us do that many takes. You know what I mean? It's just like, nope, <laughs> sure. it was good. We're moving on. Uh, you know, Crow's eyes weren't 100% perfect, but it doesn't matter because we're moving on. So, oh, uh, with that much dialogue in that in that host segment, you probably wouldn't notice that anyway. <laughs> yeah. I remember at the first Kickstarter 
preview screening that we did for uh, in New York for the Kickstarter backers. Uh, they brought Russ and I out there because they wanted Crow and Tom to talk at the end of the at the end of the backers for a Q and A. And um, uh, Joel was kind of up in the front and he was giving this kind of like introduction speech. And he was like, OK, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what you're going to see in this first episode. You're going to see about seven minutes of exposition about how Jonah got on the satellite of love. And then you're going to see about 18 minutes of movie riffing. And then you're going to see our first host segment. And this is the hardest segment that we did. And we really and we shot it first because we wanted to throw Jonah, you know, into <laughs> into the fire right from the start. <laughs> So we had him do this segment first. So I think, you you know, like if he got through this, we knew we were OK and he did get through it. So you're going to enjoy it. And I leaned over to Baron and I just go, what was the first host segment? Because our <laughs> days were so crammed together. I had no idea. I had no. And, you know, my idea of what the most complicated host segment was, was not their idea of what the most com- complicated host segment was. I was like, and he was like, oh, it's the rap. And I, oh, OK, the rap, the rap. OK, that's fine. <laughs> You know, because we had we had one host segment where Crow and Tom just tear apart these other robots who come marching in. Oh, I just finished that episode. That's the one. The uh, I'm you know, and this it. is so, I don't I can't help you because we shot everything. So <laughs> I'm only on episode uh, six, I think, right now, um, which is Star Crash. But yeah, that the robots were rigged in such a way where it's like we had one take, and if we blew it. It would be about 30 minutes before we could do another take uh, because oh, no. the robots had to all be pieced together again. And they had all the, you know, like their chests exploded and all these cogs <laughs> fell out of their chests and their heads and arms mm. fell off. Oh, and, that one. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking of a different one where the, uh, with the other robot. Oh, Waverly. Yes. That's yes, my character. Waverly. I get to play Waverly. Yeah. Uh, he oh, gets, you're Waverly. I am Waverly. <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. For this big scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for this other one where the, where their arms and heads pop off, and uh, if we had to reset, you know, it would take thirty minutes, and we were like back, you know, we were like we cannot mess this up. This has to go, because this will every the crew will hate us if we have to do this again. And unfortunately, that was one of those things where when we were done, everyone's like, "Hey, it worked. It's great. Let's go." And like looking back on it, I was like, "Oh." Yeah, there's a big mistake that I made that I wish I could go back and fix, but I cannot fix. So um, I'll, I'll just let people look, find that mistake on their own. I'm not going to I'm not proud of it. But uh, anyway, it was, uh, you know, it, and, and that's, uh, you know, I kind of love that's the kind of thing I love about Joel is like, yeah, it's good enough. Let's keep moving on, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right there in the opening song, man. It's just right there. It's just repeat to yourself. It's just a show. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I found it very funny that the kind of questions that were being asked by people in the Q&A after the show were exactly the kind of questions that could be answered by that <laughs> mantra. Like, you guys ever seen the show? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, there's, yeah, you know, and I'm just as big a fan as everybody, you know. I love uh, one of the things when, you know, the uh, crow, the first picture of everybody on the satellite of love and, and like, you know, you talk about bot builders, like someone was like, oh, I see they're using the E bowling pin on Crow's beak as opposed to the other bowling pin. That it... <laughs> Whoa, that's <laughs> that's, uh, you know, God bless those people, because those are the people who donated a Kickstarter, you know, because I was like, I it was just a bowling pin. I knew that much. I didn't know that there was a difference between the E bowling pin and, you know, and afterwards I was like, oh, yeah, I do. see. I see the E on his. I, I see it. I see it, you know. There's an anecdote from the um, movie Star Trek First Contact where, um, I've, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Yes. But, okay, so you know the part where Lily's got Picard at phaser point? 
Yeah. Um, apparently, they had to stop the scene because the gun was on the wrong setting. And she said, how can you tell from way over there that the gun is, you know, on the wrong setting? And the director looked at her and he said, there are people who know when that gun is on stun and yeah. on kill. <laughs> I was like, yep. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I had somebody message me, some, uh, a Kickstarter backer who came to one of the parties out in L.A. And, and um, uh, he, I don't remember his name, but he's a bot builder. He loves building his own bots. And... He uh, emailed me, uh, he found, you know, got my email online. I'm not difficult to track down my stuff's online, but he emailed me and was like, you know, oh, thank you for, you know, letting me uh, take a close look at the robots at the party. And, it was, and he was like, do you have any pictures of Waverly that you could send? Because I would love to build my own Waverly. <laughs> and uh, this was before it had premiered. And I was like, you know what? I don't. And I would think I would get in major trouble if I sent out pictures <laughs> of, you know, um, which I didn't even have many. But I just go, I can't. I, you know, I can't send them out. Uh, but I did tell him and I go, this is the interesting thing because it's it's going to be really interesting to see what people do, especially um, with a couple new bots who are in this new series, is that Waverly was built. It was a robot that that kind of Joel put together kind of just out, you know, found object just like he did before. But then they scanned the parts and they kind of played with proportions digitally and then 3D printed pieces that they used to make the new to make Waverly. Oh. So. You can't necessarily go and like you can go find the like he's if you look really closely, he's kind of made out of um, sandcastle molds and um, uh, a watering can. And there's a couple other pieces as well. But those are like kind of the main parts. But they scan those pieces in and then played with the size and the proportions and stuff. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to see the first Waverly that somebody builds because I'll be like, how did you do it? You know, I would not be surprised if somebody just modeled him outright. It is really easy to do that in some of these programs these days. I subscribe to the 3D yeah. printing nerd on YouTube. Yeah. And yeah. I've watched that guy just like mock up something, you know, from in minutes. I mean, obviously it takes longer to print, but uh you know, it is it is way easier to uh, do that these days. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 interesting that you can three D print anything these days. You see on TV, it's like people can just get a file, create it, and have it at home. You don't even need um, a model, which is you great. Guys hear that about that thing with the uh, Cleopatra bust? No, I haven't no. seen okay. that one. So there's this uh, Cleopatra bust, uh, not Cleopatra. It was uh, Nefertiti, uh, well known Nefertiti bust in this museum. And so these guys went in with their cell phone cameras and. They walked around it and took some videos and they uh, took those videos and put them into a program that can interpret that and turn it into a 3D model. And then they took that model and they released it for, you know, for free onto the internet. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, it just kind of, you know, really... Jeez brought to attention you know how how easy it is to to create something like that and to to recreate it and made it really easy you know kind of kind of brought it to the attention you know more like mainstream media how easy it is to do stuff like that i think the copyright expired though right (laughs) (laughs) that's actually quite interesting because i'm waiting for the future when um we're able to do cloning at home and then we just go out there clone one of our best friends by just scanning a photo and then we can have our own version of whoever's out there (laughs) you know you see someone on the street go well that guy doesn't want to be my friend i'm just going to walk around here with my camera and now i got a friend of my own 
you know, I'll just clone you, Daryl. That's because you won't let me borrow your whippersnipper, and here you are in my house making me coffee. So, oh, you really do want robot friends. Sorry, I, I've went into a weird situation there. <laughs> you gotta, you got to name your coffee clone Keurig, right? <laughs> Tell you what, let's just I'll, I'll dial back to technology. That seems getting kind of crazy. Is there a, is there a 3D printer for just like a nice pair of pants, just a good pair of pants that fit? You know, it's that's all I want. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's a there loom. are automatic looms. What a what a sparkling future we're living in. I don't know if they actually did it, but I know at one point um, there was some talk, like right at the beginning, when 3D printing and and having your own printer was was you know a possibility that the Smithsonian was talking about like oh well we're going to scan you know the Wright brothers airplane and if you want to you could print out a version of the Wright brothers airplane and i go that's actually pretty neat it's like a mm. piece of history mm-hmm. that you could print out for yourself you know you could have a liberty bell in your living room if you really wanted <laughs> right. one you know yeah. yeah that would be cool and if and if you want, if you want a Liberty Bell at home, just fix the crack. It's up to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Don't remove the support <laughs> material and prints. <laughs> well, you see some guy you know, prints out his entire Wright Brothers model. And he's a girl, he looks at it and goes, well, this is pretty good, but I can make something better. And then people, you know, over time, improves the model and shows everybody. And everyone just looks at it and goes, yeah, that's just a plane. Yeah. yeah you've, exactly. you've made, you made a Boeing 747. That's all you did. You didn't upgrade the model. You just made another plane. <laughs> No, I, just going back to uh, the the crow uh, movements again. Yeah, one thing that I think it's even in the uh, colossal episode guide where they talk about the uh, the Necker cube effect. I believe it's called. Oh yeah. Where uh, crow keeps his head at a certain angle, but because it's completely in silhouette, you get that optical illusion where it looks like crow's looking at at the camera. You know, people were always like, "Why is crow looking at the camera?" Was were there Ever any talks about kind of keeping crow's head at a certain angle so you don't get that much effect, or is that just something that? No, I think I think it's just something. I mean, I can I was there the entire time he was facing the big green screen that the movie was, you know, the movie's on. Um, Yes, that's 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 what happens. Uh, I think it's just a thing that's that's going to happen because you know you do want him to be able to look over at Jonah or. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I tried to do that I thought I thought was funny uh, with the puppetry is like because we're doing this in widescreen now. The movies are so much bigger that there's a lot of extra mm. room on the other side of Crow. And like there's one scene in Reptilicus where uh, the professor's daughter is kind of against this wall and she's moving slowly across the wall and then moves out, you know, out of off the frame. And I just thought it'd be funny if Crow kind of tracks her, and then as she goes off frame, he looks off frame as if you know she had uh, gone off the thing, which made me laugh. I don't know if it makes anybody else laugh, but I try to do I things think like I that. Where that actually, you know, yeah, I did if notice. A car yeah. goes by, you know, they he can kind of follow the car, you know, like uh, off off frame. Um, and uh, I know that there's there's two different schools of thought. Is some people don't like when you know Jonah and the robots interact with the movie but I always liked it in you know back in the Joel uh, t- they did some of it throughout the whole thing but back you know Joel used to do a lot of it where if there was a windowsill he would stand up and it would look like he was you know putting his hands on the windowsill looking in the window you know I yeah, love yeah. that kind of thing and um, the first time that happened was that segment where the, the professor's daughter goes through and I go oh yeah I can do this this is great you know as long as Joel uh, you know Crow doesn't have a line that throws off him looking that way uh, you know, I, it was never nobody ever really talked about it. He he is facing forward, and you know, you do want him to be able to look at Jonah or look off off frame and stuff like that. So I think it's just a thing that happens. 
Yeah, I noticed there was way more of the visual gags, and you can kind of tell that Joel was in charge of that, you know, because uh, yeah. I can only think of like maybe two when Mike was the host versus I can point to way more, you know, that when Joel was, you know, in charge. So I I figured when you guys started doing it more on the news show that, you know, Joel probably likes that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's and if you watch the cinematic Titanic stuff, they did things where they would stop the movie and, you know, yeah. interact with the movie. You know, they'd bring the movie to a complete stop and 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 do stuff with the with the still image. Um, you know, so I think that this is I'd like to think this is a happy medium because the movie still keeps going on. We don't stop the film. Um, but, you know, you're still getting you know, you're still interacting and that, you know, the scene in Hercules with Tom Servo getting smacked by Hercules is fun. And, um, you know, I I think, uh, you know, again, people have their opinion on it and some people like it and some people don't. But hopefully the people who don't like that kind of stuff, there's other stuff in the episode that you will like. So it's not it doesn't ruin the, the whole experience for you. Actually, I'm very glad they, they don't stop the movie. That was one thing in Cinema Titanic. I was kind of like, huh, okay. But I think that's also... <laughs> wasn't too uh, sure You know, about. from what I know about Joel is that's, you know, that's an experiment. You know, it's like, ah, we tried this. You know, I think this will be funny. And, you know, uh, maybe it doesn't work. So we're not going to do that again, you know. Um, and, and Joel is certainly somebody who, and this is what I admire about him. He's, he's not, he's certainly somebody who's like, yeah, let's try it. Let's see what happens, you know. There was some... Mm. The Shout Factory DVD releases are so great, and for a while, the the menus uh, on those DVD, the Mystery Science Theater DVDs, were little puppets, and they were little puppets that were interacting, you know, repeating clips from the from the movie and stuff. And um, you know, I even said to Joel, I go, "Oh, have you ever thought about playing with with those? Because it's just another, it's like a a mini version of Crow and Tom, and there could be some fun way to work them into the." you know, into the show as well, just as another tool to have. And Joel was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. And we didn't do any of that, you know, in this season. But uh, it's, I think Joel really likes to explore the tools that he has and, and see what he can do with them. Now, I, I just also wanted to ask, like, uh, when you go to shoot the uh, the movie segments, where exactly are you? Like, where are you positioned? Where's Carla positioned? Uh, like, how, how is that whole setup for, for you guys during that? Uh, well, it's things? really great because uh, if you've seen pictures of how they used to do it, um, the puppeteers sat on the floor pretty much. Uh, and then uh, Mike or Joel was in a chair next to them and they were on either side. And uh, we were very, very happy that they decided to build a raised set for Jonah to sit on. So Jonah is sitting. We are standing. Uh, Carla is, is right next to me, uh, puppeteer, uh, we always like to say, you know, make sure you're wearing good deodorant, uh, cause you're, you're very close to each other, <laughs> you know, so we were all very, you know, we were all very near each other. Uh, we, I always, uh, would joke with uh, Jonah that once the show was released, I was going to release a coffee table book of all the different socks that he wore. Because uh, I would take pictures of his socks every day <laughs> and say like, Oh, nice socks today, Jonah, you know, um, and, uh, you know, because we were we were we were at his feet pretty much, you know, but uh, the the reason they built the set up is because they really wanted, um, you know, and they did this before. It's like Crow could walk out of the theater. But because we were in widescreen, Crow had a lot more ground to cover than in the way the show was originally shot. And mm. so 
we could have been on the floor and then crawled off, but you would get a better movement from Crow. And uh, they wanted Tom to fly in and out of the theater on his own now, uh, which I know is also controversial to some folks. Um, but, uh, you know, in order to do that, we needed to kind of stand up if we wanted to have that motion. We needed to be standing, which and that's most like, you know, most Muppet movies or the recent Muppet TV series. Those were all done on raised sets. So if you see Kermit talking to a human, most of the time, you know, if it's on a set, most of the time the set is built up off the ground so that the performer can be, sit, you know, sitting on the uh, standing and then the, you know, they'll, they'll just raise their hand above their head and be able to interact with a human performer. Um, so it's not, hmm. that's how we did it, but it's not completely unheard of in the puppetry world. Can I just ask, uh, I saw that video for, was it Stranger yes. Things that you guys did where you kind of basically body shamed the <laughs> so actor? So great. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's great, but like, um, will you guys be able to do a lot more of that kind of stuff? Because like, you're on Netflix now, uh, and I'm sure they had to talk to some of the people at Netflix to get that you know little segment allowed. Um, also, it doesn't spoil anything from uh, Stranger Things at all. Uh, but would you guys be able to do more of that, seeing as you have access to more Netflix original yeah, stuff? Yeah, uh, I... I guess so. I mean, they were able to do that. So, I mean, I I know probably just about as much as you in terms of that. You know, like I didn't know. I only knew one of the movies that we were doing, and that's only because they let uh, they allowed Russ and I to write on a movie each. So uh, before we even started production, I only knew what one of the movies was, and that was the one that I wrote on. Um, you know, so I'm uh, that's so far not in our wheelhouse <laughs> that I, I can't I can't say. You know, <laughs> I would. I would guess since they did Stranger Things, they'd be able to do other ones, but I, I can't say. Which one did yeah, you? Yeah, because I, I just thought that was great. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask <laughs> which one you wrote on. Oh, I wrote on uh, The Beast of Hollow Mountain, which was uh, which I was uh. very excited about because I love Westerns. And when I found out it was a Western and a monster movie, I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is fantastic. If I may say, there is a host segment in the middle of that episode uh, involving costumes I'm not gonna say what it is because spoilers <laughs> but i laughed harder at that than probably anything else in the entire episode so <laughs> thank kudos you kudos to you guys for uh, dancing around the way yeah that was a, that one was a lot of fun and how great was it how amazing were bees mckeever's robot costumes just throughout the whole season so good um but like it was very funny she posted a picture on facebook of a kentucky fried chicken bucket and a small laundry basket and she just she just said okay here's a trivia question which episode are these in and uh it was that segment <laughs> from beast of hollow mountain and when you see that segment, you go, oh, I know where the laundry basket and the KFC bucket are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know where they are. Um, but, uh, you know, and then when you realize that, and you go, man, her costumes are amazing. You know, like everybody mm -hmm. loves her, the raccoon costumes she made uh, for yes. the robots in Cry Wilderness. And what, uh, you know, I'll get to this in the, in mm -hmm. the post I do about Cry Wilderness. But what's really cool about that is she made two of those costumes for each of the robots because we had to do a Texas switch during that where they duck down under the counter, we swap robots and come up with new robots so they have the baseball bat and the sledgehammer. Um, so she had to make two sets of costumes <laughs> oh, wow. for both robots. Huh. That's crazy. Yeah. And she's amazing. She's so, I was so, you know, being a fan of the show, I was like, oh my God, it's bees, you know. And then she's, and now she's mm. like a good friend, you know. She's, she's amazing. I wasn't working with That's the great. older cast when they came on to do cameos and stuff. 
Uh, well, I was, you know, I'm a huge fan of all of them. <laughs> and uh, a, a few of them, because we were shooting in such a short amount of time and we were in such a small studio, uh, a few of them shared the puppet room as a dressing room or as like a kind of a green room waiting area. And uh, so like to be sitting there with, you know, across from uh, across from Kevin wearing his Professor Bobo outfit, uh, you know, and makeup was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And, uh, you know, I, I I it took everything I had to be like. Oh uh, yeah, I came to the second convention and you rode on the bus with us over to when we got to tour the studio and you know cuz I'm just as much a fan as everybody else and I didn't do that. I was like, "Oh, hi. How are you? Nice to see you. You know, how's everything?" You know. Um so I uh you know, it but it was very cool to get to that. And Mary Jo I had worked with in uh Cinematic Titanic and oh, um I for a while she had lived in Austin and I was a uh, puppet up uh, puppet up uncensored went through Austin while we were working while I was working on Cinematic Titanic and I was and, you know Mary Jo we want to come see uh, puppet up and she did and uh, we went out to we went out to dinner and and then I was in another show that went through Austin this other puppet show and um, she uh, you know she came and saw that so it was great seeing Mary Jo again and. Um, you know, another there was a there's a gag involving it's in it's in the third episode. There's a gag involving VR gloves and uh, those characters. Mm-hmm. I won't I won't give them I won't give it all away, but uh, I do have a and this is for for me only. I took a little video when they were filming that because I would be performing uh, the gloves on the other end of the of the other end of the <laughs> VR gloves uh, where oh, okay. uh, where Patton was and um, for Patton's character. And so I, I had this little, I, like in my head, I was like, oh, I should videotape this so I can kind of mimic his man- mannerisms while he's doing that. And uh, then I was like, yeah, it's really cool that I have this little video of, you know, uh, Bill Corbett and Mary Jo and Kevin, uh, you know, reprising their roles. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. That was that was really nice to see that whole segment. Mm-hmm. I have to say, uh, speaking about fanboying out a little bit there, uh, Grant, when I found out you were going to be involved with the show, I had kind of had to talk myself down a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh, I get to talk with somebody who was on the Mystery Science Theater 3000 show. This is amazing. <laughs> well, we're all, you know, that's 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 very nice. It, it's, um, it's as I said, it's a dream come true. Uh, and we we did a little fan fanning out ourselves because um, if, if you don't know, one of the, I won't give any spoilers about it, but one of the guest stars this season was Mark Hamill. And uh, we were like, what? Mark Hamill's going to be here? Like, he's coming here? Because uh, a couple of the things they did, on, uh, you know, at different times, just depending on their uh, schedules. But when we found out, they're like, wait, Mark Hamill, he's going to be here. Um, and then uh, we, it was kind of a, it wasn't a completely closed set, but it was, um, they set up this thing just so, because uh, his part is a little bit, uh, tricky what he does and uh, they didn't want any he want, he didn't want any distractions so the area where he was was kind of like this little walled off area where you couldn't you know you couldn't be standing there gawking at him as he was doing his part but in the next room they had a TV screen that showed the camera feed so we we all took these selfies of us in front of the TV screen. It's like, hey, it's us and Mark Hamill. Um, but then they went and took uh, like, you know, sort of like promotional continuity photos of him and in, in the outfit that he was wearing. And we go, 
could the puppeteers go? And he was like, yes, come on in. Puppeteers, come in. You know, and so we got a great picture with him. And he's just like super nice. He's just amazing. And, uh, you know, so we did our own uh, fanboying out <laughs> as well on the set, uh, especially when, you know, all, well, all the guest stars. But, you know, Luke Skywalker, come on. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the one with him yet, although I will say I was very surprised that he wasn't in the one I was expecting <laughs> right, yes, him yeah. to be in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you see his when you see his part, it's it's ama- like it's just like I can't believe they, you know, and of course he's he's just a great guy. He's up for anything, but it's just like they got him to do this. This is amazing. <laughs> I heard Adam Savage was involved with the production on this this time. Was he behind the scenes or in front of the camera? Yeah, he was. was he was not focused? involved in anything that sort of I was involved in. So um, no, okay. uh, I can't say, uh, you know, I can't say exactly necessarily what it was that you know. But I do know he uh, was okay. involved, and his name is in I the credits. Curious. I don't. I can't say specifically. Oh, he did this. You know, that would be a question for oh, for okay. Joel or somebody because um, I wasn't uh-huh. involved in every single aspect. As far as I know, he's not in front of the camera because um, I actually uh, um, I'm working my way through them because, as I said, we shot them so close together. I'm slowly working my way through <laughs> all the episodes. But, you know, there there were a couple crowd scenes in the later episodes. So it is possible he was there because we were there that day, but they didn't need puppets. So it was basically just Russ and uh, I sitting out at craft services, you know, until they called us. Were and, you guys in the crowd? Uh, no, we were not in the crowd. No, oh. no. But, uh, you know, that's fine. That's there is. Uh, yeah there's yeah you got you guys are plenty i just wondered if you got to see your own faces in front of the show no yeah well you know what actually uh, i take that back because i realized that in the opening of every single episode when jonah is flying the backjack down to the moon 13 base you see silhouettes running past the window of moon 13 and those are the puppeteers and i didn't realize that people yeah, yeah, I didn't realize it until puppets. like the third, um, the third or fourth time I watched the episode. I was like, "Oh wait, that's us!" Because they had us stand in front of a green screen and run. And I go, "Oh, you want puppeteers to run? Boy, oh boy!" But uh, <laughs> we hide under tables. We don't run. That's what we do. Um, but uh, I was just like, "Oh yeah, that that is us." And then it's funny because like I realized, I go, "Oh wait, that is Carla." That's t-. you had to look real quick because it's just like a split second. But uh, it's like, oh, that is Carla. That is the that's Russ. That's me, you know, um, running all back and forth. So, um, so we did make it in 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 silhouette form. That's cool. Awesome. So, just purely as a fan of the show, how are you enjoying watching these episodes now? Uh, like I'm loving it, and I'm uh, you know, they're a lot of fun. And as I said, it's like host segments are a surprise to me because I can remember, you know, it'll take me like a, a couple lines into a host man going host segment going like. Oh, okay, I know what this is. Unless it's like really specific to the movie, you know, if mm. it's uh, if it's something like a cold open or something that, you know, didn't necessarily have a a, a tie to the movie, I'll be like, what is this? Oh, okay, I remember, you know, when we did this. But uh, you know, I didn't see until it premiered on Netflix. Uh, well, and I was a Kickstarter backer too, so it wasn't until the Kickstarter backers got their episodes the day before they premiered on Netflix. I had only seen the first episode, so I will admit to uh, fast forwarding or like a doubt, you know, streaming 
uh, episode eight, which is uh, Hercules, because that's the one Waverly is in. And I was like, as I said, mm-hmm. we, we didn't get to watch stuff back. So I was like, I want to see how this turned out. I want to see how my big moment turned out with Waverly. <laughs> um, so I did do a little skipping around. But then when I did want to, I watched the first one. And then I watched Cry Wilderness on the the Kickstarter backers thing. But then I was like, no, I want to save it for when they debut on Netflix because, hey, I would love to work on it again. So I would love to get another season. So I want to make sure that my my viewings count as it is. So uh, I sure, have watched sure. uh, three, four, five, and six on Netflix, and uh, I need to start uh, need to start seven soon. Um, but I'm I'm loving it. And man, oh man, uh, Cry Wilderness uh, was a movie that the puppeteers just. From the moment we saw it, we started quoting. We started quoting riffs. Uh, you know, it just became a thing among the puppeteers and the crew and the, you know, uh, Jonah and the rest of the guys. But like, Paul, you know, just like saying that Paul. over and over again <laughs> um, was something we loved. And and uh, uh, there's another uh, Carnival Magic, which I only have, uh, which is a later s- episode. I only have vague recollections of, but I was like, I could not wait to see this again because this is like, you know, Cry Wilderness and Carnival Magic are kind of like Manos level bad movies. Um, so, uh, <laughs> really? yeah. I didn't think Cry Wilderness was as bad. Uh, well, Cry Wilderness is fine. You know what's great about Cry Wilderness is we were filming the we were filming it, and you know we hadn't seen the movies and had, you know as we hadn't seen the riffs, so it was great because we were laughing just as much as if we were watching it for the first time. Um, you know, <laughs> at, when funny riffs would come up, and the credits roll, and I realized that the director of photography is a guy who lived upstairs from me in my old apartment building um, when I had first like wow. moved back down to L.A. And I was like, oh, wow. oh my God, that's him. I can't, that's so funny. And I knew that he was a cinematographer, but I was just like, I can't believe we're doing one of his movies. And I think it was like in, you know, we shot those in, I think, August, September, sometime around there. That's when we shot them. And then I, it was like late November, early December, I was out for a run and kind of running through my old area where I used to live. And I saw him walking down the street and he was like, hey, Grant, how are you? It's good to see you. I was like, yeah, it's good to see you. And I go, you will never believe what we're doing. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm working on Mystery Science Theater. And one of the movies we're doing is Cry Wilderness. And like he just got this huge smile on his face and he was like, that was the worst experience. <laughs> he was like, that was my first movie. I, he goes like, we all thought that the guy who was making this film was like going to be the next Spielberg. And we quickly realized that that's not, that, that was not going to be the case. And he's like, we were hauling. Hmm. I, he goes, you know, it was a small crew. I had to haul the camera all over this mountainside and it was this big, heavy camera. And Oh my God, it was so, and so I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I, I, I double checked that I have his information because I go, you know, when they put these DVDs together, they sometimes like to talk to people who worked on the project. And he was, I would love to talk to people yeah. about it because, you know, and he was just like, please tell me when they're released because I cannot wait to see what Mystery Science Theater does with that movie. <laughs> and he goes, I thought That's nobody awesome. would even remember that film, you know. Um, so Cry Wilderness was like a a, a big favorite. And then. Uh, with the puppeteers, we just we 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 love that. Um, and uh, there's one riff I won't spoil it, but there's one riff that, like even to this day, we quote back and forth to each other. And um, and then Carnival Magic is just Carnival Magic is just a weird film. And that was another one where uh, people would, you know, uh, puppeteers would quote 
uh, there's a I don't want to give too much away about it, but there's a there's a talking monkey in that movie and they have oh, a no. voiceover. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A talking yes. monkey. I'm sold. <laughs> Where is this movie? It's uh, it's one of the later episodes called Carnival Magic. But uh, Tim Blaney, who we were talking about earlier, uh, who did Johnny Five and stuff, he does great voices. I mean, he studied with Doss Butler doing voices, if you know who Doss Butler is, but uh, who did all the Hanna-Barbera stuff. But um he does a spot on imitation of this of this monkey in this movie. And so we people would just have him do the voice of the monkey. They're do Alex, do Alex, do Alex. And he would just launch right into <laughs> it because it was so much fun. So um yeah, you know, and uh, you know, uh definitely um, you know, puppeteering Waverly in Hercules, even though I haven't watched the whole movie, I, you know, I haven't watched it all together yet. Uh, but that will always be a favorite of mine because it's like I'm becoming a little tiny piece of mystery science theater lore by being this character, you know. Um, and he oh, has sure. he has his own mystery science theater Wikipedia, you know, on the mystery science theater wiki now. He's got his own page. <laughs> and I'm like, I've made it. You know, if they now, tell did me you do his voice, too, <laughs> I do do his voice as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hello, ladies. It's me. M. Waverly. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, like somebody Uh. said something like they were, they came in from shout factory and were taking pictures of all the robots and they were like, well, yeah, we're going to, you know, do licenses where they're going to make, you know, it's possible they can make action figures and stuff like this. And I was like, if there's ever an, that's it, I'm going to die. If there's an M Waverly action figure or figurine that because I've always said is like even from a kid I was like that's how you know you made it is when you get an action like Harrison Ford he's made it he's got a million action figures of him and it's like if they make one of me if I can go into a store and buy a character that I did you know that that's me uh, I will just I'll be that's it I'm done I'll check out hang on a second so wait 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 Harrison Ford has an action figure of him from Air Force One because I haven't seen that I'm figure sure there yet. is one if you look with plane punching action <laughs> yeah plane punching action with Gary Oldman yeah, you know, you know, they are doing crow. They're doing crow Funko Pops. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. but I mean, that's that's like you know, that's kind of a shared. Uh, you know, I think Hampton is crow. You know, I mean, he did he did puppeteer okay. on it, okay. and Hampton is Hampton is crow. You know, so uh, if there was a Waverly Funko man, oh man, you'll have to pick me up off the floor because I would be so <laughs> amazed. Well, now now if there isn't one, now I know what my next custom has to be. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, just, and Joel was so great. Like, there's there's two new robots that have uh, small parts in this new season, and Joel said, oh, yeah, I want you and Russ to do them, and which I just thought was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And then to have, uh, you know, I went to Joel. I, I started getting nervous about it as we were getting close to shoot day. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want, and so I went to Joel, and I go, is there a certain, like, character or voice you want? And he's like, no, man, I trust you. Just do what you want to do. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this really goofy voice. Because I just figured, like, he, like his scene is he pictures himself a ladies' man. And I go, what's the dorkiest voice he could have as a ladies' man? Like, Hello, ladies, it's me, you know. Um, so, anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, that will always be a favorite episode is, is Hercules, because that's the episode Waverly is in. That's great. Well, I mean, you've done voiceover work before, right? I mean, so this isn't, like something you're trying for the first time uh, no I've, I've done things I've there was a show on Comedy Central called Trip Tank uh, and my friend uh, Mike Hollingsworth who is the supervising director of BoJack Horseman um, another Netflix show mm-hmm. he did a bunch of shorts for Trip Tank and he called me in to do voices for those um, so I've, I have done other things yeah so but uh, you know it was um, 
it, it was just, you know, you you want to do what, you know, Joel's the creator. You want to make Joel happy. But he's really has that spirit of like, you know, I trust you. You know, I you're you're a good puppeteer yeah. and I trust you and I, I trust, you know, and I'm sure if I had come in with this completely crazy voice he would have been like yeah let's not use that voice you know and <laughs> i would have respected that but uh you know he he seemed he didn't say a word about you know waverly's voice so uh, that was that was awesome that's great well aside from from your own episode there do you have any personal favorites so far going through? um well cry wilderness i think is just i think the riffs are really spot on cry wilderness um um yeah. but poor raccoon yeah, though yes <laughs> Well, and that poor kid, there's what there's so uncomfortable. If you watch that, there's one part where like you can tell that the kid kind of got hurt. Like and, and you could like it cuts right after, but you can tell like like I don't know if the raccoon scratched him or bit him, but it's one of the things where the kid's holding the raccoon and oh, you can kind of tell like in the uh in the yeah. kitchen where the joke is ow yeah, my face. Yeah, and you can tell like <laughs> that's a riff, yeah. but that's pretty true. <laughs> yeah. To what happened? You know, so Cry Wilderness is good, and um, the Christmas movie is crazy. The the I forget the name. The Christmas that the Christmas that almost, almost wasn't. wasn't. I was going to say never ended, but yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you know, but it was it really was Cry Wilderness. That was the first one where, and I think what was so fun about that was with all the puppeteers, we were all watching it together, and you are watching with a group of friends, and that was the one that was just cracking us up. You know. <laughs> and um, sometimes they would, when we were filming the movie segments, they would, we we would film them in nine minute segments. And that's the way they've always kind of been done back history of the show is they would do it nine minutes at a time because you need a little break, you know. And, um, but mm. we would film nine minutes at a time, but we wouldn't necessarily film them. We would film all the movies, you know, like we would do Reptilicus. We would do that. We do Cry Wilderness. But depending on what was needed from the puppets, we would see the segments out of order. So you may watch oh, like wow. the, mm. you know, like the the third nine minute segment and then the first nine minute segment and then the fourth. So you're doing the same film, but you're kind of like, I'm not getting this film. Like what? Because we're watching it so out of order. Um, and uh, but Cry Wilderness was one that we watched kind of in order because there wasn't that much to do puppetry wise. And we just loved it. And, um, you know, and I, it was the the Christmas movie, too, was another one where Russ was like, can we just please watch this one in order? You know, like not mixing up segments. And I think that was the one. Um, Cry Wilderness was pretty close. And that was the one another one that came close to watching it in order. So anyway, both of those episodes are great. Yeah. Cry Wilderness is yeah. so good. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I, I know I was probably driving these guys nuts, you know, because I was watching it early, you know, with the Kickstarter. And I was like, guys, second episode. Yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it, it's like pod people, but with Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one thing, too, is just uh, visually, I mean, the look of the show now is stunning. And it, just seeing it in high definition for the first time and widescreen for the first time, you know, it's re- really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's uh, it's a lot of fun to it's a, a lot of fun to watch and uh, fun to play with that extra space and and uh, see the movies looking so good as they are. Yeah, I can tell you guys got a lot of these. The uh, the print quality is far better than what I'm used to seeing on Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's it's funny because I saw somebody, you know, I'm in a few like as I said, I I was a fan from the very beginning, so like I was on the. Um, you know, uh, I call it the Forest Crow message board, but like the Deep 13 message boards and all these other message boards um, and and Facebook groups before I was even involved in this. And uh, somebody said this the other day and I was like, 
oh, it's true. Like somebody was like, oh, well, I was watching the new episodes and then I went back and watched one of the old episodes and I was a little bit like, oh, this picture quality is so horrible, uh, you know, compared to we're lucky we got to do it in high definition, you know, and uh, I was watching, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I was a Kickstarter backer. So I got to download the first the very first two KTMA episodes that they released to Kickstarter backers and <laughs> like definitely comparing to them. It's like, wow, we have come a long way, uh, you know, from this uh, show. But, you know, this, the, the old the old episodes are still great because, um, you know, like I, I put them on. A lot of times if I'm having trouble sleeping, I'll put it on and it's not to say like, oh, I fall asleep during the show because it's boring, but it's almost like soothing. It's like you're watching this movie mm-hmm. and mo- a lot of times the movies are black and white and, uh, you know, nothing too, too crazy hey usually happens. In hey it. now. Yeah. Don't be dogging on black and white movies now. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm saying it's, I'm saying it's soothing. It's like, it's like homey, you know, it's like, oh, I'm watching on this uh, black and white movie and, and it's relaxing and there, there's kind of this not a monotone riff going on, but there's riffs going on and you can just kind of kick back and watch. You don't have to be like, okay, I got to keep track of every single detail of what's going on here. So, and, yeah. and definitely those older episodes of the show are, are like a, you know, I don't know what you call it. They like soothe me and help me go to sleep. Whereas new episodes of the show, if I'm watching it, I'll be like, Oh, I wish I would have done that differently. You know, I wish I would have, you know, I'm not going to be able to sleep cause I'm too into it, you know? Sure. And we've had this discussion before. Matt, Matt's the only one that likes Red Zone Cuba, so I do you know. like Red Zone Cuba. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. Well, Same I with the Coleman Francis ones. Uh, it's skydivers. It's more skydivers than anything. I love skydivers. Everyone in it is so uncomfortable and awkward and weird. And there's the ongoing coffee thing, <laughs> and the huge woman who comes out of nowhere. And everything in Skydivers is just delightful. It's just yeah. so weird. Well, and Skydivers has one of my favorite shorts in the beginning, right? Isn't that the Why Study Industrial Arts? Oh, short yeah. At the beginning. <laughs> and such a great that one's short. awesome. I've watched Skydivers a million times just because I love that short, you know? <laughs> yeah. See? All yeah, right. I think any time I've gone back to watch Red Zone Cuba, I pretty much get through the short and then about 10 minutes into Red Zone Cuba, I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, Red Zone. Grant, do you have any cl- uh, favorite of the uh, the classic episodes? Um, sure. Uh, well, um, the one that always pops whenever somebody asks me this, and it pops right into my head is Angel's Revenge. Because um, oh, I just think, okay, like, it's oh, so yeah. it's so seventies, but it's just so funny. Like the riffs are so on, and like my fa- my favorite riff. Like people go, "Well, what's your favorite riff of all time?" And like one of my favorites is when they're sneaking into the compound and they see the horses and they go, those are big dogs. Yeah. And just, <laughs> for some reason, it always makes me laugh. And whenever I see a horse, I go, those are big dogs. And, um, and but I love that. Uh, why study industrial arts? Cause like the, the title card comes up and, uh, I think it's either Crow or Mike says, because you're bad at math, you're bad you know, at math. Uh, <laughs> which is another hilarious <laughs> riff. Now, did you see, I don't know if you're a Riff Tracks fan, did you see that Bridget and Mary Jo have redone Angel's Revenge? Yes, I, I, I have not seen it yet, but I saw that they did that, and I think that's amazing. I think it's great. So I haven't seen it yet, but I'm so excited because Angel's Revenge is also one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one with the old man, Jim Backus? Yes. Yes. Yep. Oh, Jim Arthur, Backus, yeah. Jack Arthur Godfrey's in it. Yeah, it's cra- oh, that's crazy. Gosh. And oh, uh, Alan Hale Jr., right? The skipper. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Okay. <laughs> I got to go back yeah. and watch that one. I, that's in one of the Shining uh, your love. Rhino bunks, yes. I yep. think. 
Would you be able to uh, give us any sort of insight into uh, the numbers that keep changing during the opening sequence? Nope, that was a surprise to me as well. Uh, I can't, um, I heard that there might be a puzzle. You know, I've seen people speculating online um, and I didn't even notice it watching the, I mean, I saw the first episode five times because we went on the Kickstarter uh, backers thing and then uh, I watched it live when uh, the backers could stream it. And stuff, but uh, no, I did not. I didn't even realize that till somebody pointed out it on uh, pointed it out online. So I have no idea uh, what they mean. What is this in the in the opening segment? Uh, the, the or the the theme song. Uh, the, one of the gags is that yep. Jonah has to reenact the opening every single episode. So right. uh, he gets put into like this kind of simulator where he has to reenact the episode each time or the opening each time. Uh, the theme song and. Um, there is a screen that has numbers on it, and they change each episode. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice so that. So I, d- I don't know what that's about. I don't. Uh, that's uh, and uh, like you know, a question that that we get asked a lot is, uh, and that Joel got asked a lot is, what is Gypsy bringing, lowering into the theater and taking out of the theater during every episode? And yep, that was my <laughs> next question. Yeah, and Joel's <laughs> response is, it's the payload. And then people go, well, what's the payload? And he goes, ah, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out, you know. And um, I think it was, you know, like that is just a convention to get Gypsy into the theater so she can riff, uh, you know, throw out a, a, a couple jokes uh, each episode. And there, I think hmm. there's – Joel does have a plan where hopefully we, you know, knock on wood, get uh, more seasons of the show and – he gets to enact this plan and there's some things where it's like, oh yeah, this will pay off if we get to do, you know, a second season. Um, and I, I know that Joel has been asked about the payload and Joel's like, yeah, I, I don't know, but you know, uh, we'll, we'll find out. And so these numbers at the beginning, it could be a secret hidden message or it could be something that will pay off in another season. I, I, I can't say, I don't know. And I'm not Very saying that as we're all sworn to secrecy. We can't tell. I just, I, I didn't even notice them <laughs> until somebody pointed it out online. I was thoroughly enjoying the uh, toily tea paper videos. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah, that's uh, that's my own character um, that uh, just started as a joke between two friends. And uh, toily tea paper is a talking roll of toilet paper uh, who fancies himself a big time Hollywood star, but uh, he's very gives he's out very, great advice. Yeah, he's got great advice for <laughs> actors, uh, but he's 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 a little upset because he always gets typecast as a roll of toilet paper. He's so. He's done Charmin commercials. Uh, he was in uh, Orange is the New Black, but always as a roll of toilet paper. So he's not uh, – he wants to branch out because he can do so much more. Um, but, yeah, I just – like that's – I made a new one today uh, just fooling around. It's like when I have downtime, I can't just relax. I got to work on something. So it's usually a toily video or something like that. That's awesome. <laughs> and I will say it's very a very expressive uh, puppet for you know not having a whole lot going on yeah it, thanks you know? that's uh, russ walco who is the other you know he was tom servo's lead puppeteer uh he is an amazing builder i mean he gets hired he's working on a project for henson right now they hire him all the time to build stuff and um he's he's amazing and he's fast and i went to him and i said i want to make a talking roll of toilet paper and he was like all right a week later <laughs> he shows up with this uh talking roll of toilet paper and it's amazing so um, yeah, he's a puppet garage is his website. If you go to puppetgarage.com and check out all his amazing puppets. And as we talked about, I dabbled in building puppets. And once I met Russ, I always joke about this with Russ. I go, yeah, once I met you, it's like, oh, I'm going to have Russ build everything because he's amazing and he's fast and he, he makes a good quality puppet. So very cool. 
Uh, I was wondering, if you see Joel, can you tell him to pick up his escape pod? He left it in the outback, he hasn't really claimed it, he just walked away from it last time. He crash-landed here, like, years ago, and just walked away from it. I mean, he left a whole bunch of magazines in there, and some bits and pieces. Yeah, it's just annoying to have some junk lying around. Sure, I will... I will yeah. let Joel know. I'll, I will. Uh, I will send him an email right now and tell him that Australia is clamoring for him to come cut his garbage. I mean, like, yeah, the outback's a great big place. Just that, come on, we can see it. We can see the garbage. Yeah, yeah we knew it was him. We knew it was going on. That might have been Skylab, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't want to get in a fight with Skylab. I mean, yeah, those guys, they own space. I assume. I don't know. Who owns space? We don't know. Uh, my other thing is, is Uncle Interloper there? Like, is he, is he near so he, he can say hi? He is near. <clears throat> he actually, he actually yeah? is. Yeah, he's in his doggy bag. Oh, great. Let me, uh... Cool. Hello, this is Uncle Interloper. Oh, wow. This is hey, great. Hey, Uncle Interloper. How are you, my friend? It's so good to talk to you. Ah, uh, I'm doing great. Ah, uh, this is this is amazing. Technology is amazing. and bring people together. I know. Vine brought us together, and then they canceled. They got rid of the app, and now we have to use other methods to talk. <laughs> yeah, I gotta use other technology. I'm using, like, a brick and some, uh... Soap. That's why I haven't heard from you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should use more technology. Yeah, try try Man, Instagram I, I, or something. But you do. You are on Instagram. Yeah. You post... I am on the Instagram. You post very artistic pictures sometimes. And then sometimes it's, you know, a picture of pancakes. So it it's it's uh, it varies. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes I need to record what I'm eating. I mean, I think that's the point of Instagram, isn't it? Like, record your food. Yeah. It's a diet thing, it right? Is. I should start doing that with my bowls of kibble. I just think that they... They look sort of dumb. You know, people, you've seen one bowl of kibble, you've seen it all. There's not much presentation you could do. Whoa, 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 whoa. There are a lot of places down here in Melbourne which have artistically uh, created bowls of kibble. I mean, yeah, we got, like, probably a, a dog cafe, a vegan dog cafe, maybe. I gotta get back down there, then. <laughs> mm -hmm. You gotta check it out. It's a great, amazing place. But, yeah, glad to hear from you Good again, buddy. Good to talk to you, too, my friend. Yay! <laughs> that was funny to two people. <laughs> <laughs> i've got one more before we wrap up though i don't know if you'll be able to answer do you know anything about the dark horse comic that they're working on because i will straight up murder no. someone to get involved with that <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i you know um that's kind of one of those aspects where i'm not involved uh at all you know things surprise me just as much as you know other things but uh yeah. you know i was figured it was a long shot yeah i you know and there, there's secretly part of me is like maybe Waverly could be in a panel, you know. Uh, but yeah. Waverly one shot. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> I would draw a Waverly one shot. I would yeah. do that. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't. I have no it. idea. I have no idea what's. Uh, you know, there's a lot of. You know, and in terms of Waverly being in it, there's a lot of other uh, history of the show that they can get through before they even come close to scratching. You know, Waverly. But uh, <laughs> you know, I. I, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, they've said that there's a lot of licenses and you know, that part where they came in and said like, yeah, we're taking pictures in case people want to make action figures. It's like, oh my gosh, let's do action figures, you know? So yeah, for anybody listening, uh, if you don't have Netflix for some reason, you know, just go get, uh, sign up, get the free trial. It's definitely worth it. You got classic episodes that you can watch. And of course this amazing return and it, it's great in some way. It's, it's very different. <laughs> flying Tom Servo, but in other ways, it has a, a comfortable familiarity about it. It's like a continuation of the show we love, but it's also like a celebration of it as well. So 
I definitely, uh, you know, recommend checking this out. It's yes, so and please keep Netflix because then later on, I don't know when this is coming out, but later on, Wet Hot American Summer 10 Years Later is coming out, and I puppeteered on that one as well. So, uh, yeah. Oh, really? There's wow. a talking can of vegetables, if you're familiar with the... I was just going to ask if it <laughs> yeah. was the can of vegetables. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. I was the puppeteer of the talking can of vegetables, so, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, awesome. What a plug. <laughs> Well, well, Grant, congratulations on this great gig and, and all the others. The show looks great. Crow looks great. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing what you're up to next. So hopefully, uh, you know, another season of puppetry on the dark side. I, of the... I, I, let's hope so. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, it's really been a lot of fun. All right, and that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, any riffs you got, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. So, Grant, how can people find some more of your uh, great Well, my work? website is mrgrant.com. That's M-R-G-R-A-N-T.com. And that has links to, like, you know, uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of good stuff. My Twitter handle is ToasterBoy, uh, going back to throwing toasters, so ToasterBoy. And um, my sort of, like, the, the stuff I create, it's mostly family-friendly kid stuff. Uh, I have a website called Saturday Morning Media. And so, like, Uncle Interloper and uh, all the other kind of podcast projects I do, um, are listed there. So that's where people can uh, get in touch. And please do get in touch. Love hearing from folks. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at, at Matt W. Nelson, on Instagram at Matt W. Nelson. And you can read the ongoing webcomic uh, Catbeard the Pirate at catbeardthepirate.com. It's about a pirate who's under a voodoo curse to have a living cat for a beard. And you can find my original art for sale at mattnelsonart.com. Very good. Kevin? All right, you can find uh, my stuff at onewallcinema.com. Uh, and if you want to check out the Mystery Science Theater type videos that my brother and I have been doing, uh, you can go to gumroad.com slash onewallcinema. And you can actually use the coupon code HITTINGPLAY, uh, just one word there, um, and it'll save you a little bit off your order. Very nice. And Kevin won't self-promote this, so I will say this. There's a great video, too. Unboxing Kids is his kid's uh, YouTube channel. Is is that the name of it? or uh, Kids Unboxing Stuff. Okay. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> unboxing, unboxing Kids. kids or That's something. a much darker YouTube channel. <laughs> kids Unbox. <laughs> Dad, let us out! Oh, look, it's a blonde-haired boy. <laughs> but, the, but there's oh, a I've great video. i this one. <laughs> <laughs> Their videos are great, but there's one in particular that MST3K fans might enjoy where they actually build a cam bot. So definitely uh, check that one out. Yep. And oh, we actually have a, a cameo from from a Tom Servo in uh, one of the episodes as well. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Kevin Murphy was nice enough to lend his voice for it. Yes, that's awesome. All right. Hamish, you have anything? Uh, people can find me on Twitter, Silent Hamish, Instagram, Silent Hamish, where I post uh, bits and pieces. I haven't posted in a while just because life busy and also on i think facebook it's art hamish art where i post sporadically because that's the way people like things uh and also if you want to buy a shirt randomly crazy people would buy these shirts uh go to redbubble.com and type in Sartan hamish and you can find uh some shirts i put up there i designed so you know if you're crazy enough buy a shirt with my face on it <laughs> I know. One I hear people like that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, who who would get that kind of shirt gifted to them for like a birthday gift of some sort? I don't know. Oh, could it be me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, evidently. Yes, the photo, I do have photo the, online, uh, yeah. the silent Hamish shirt. 
has anyone asked you any questions about like who is this? Um, trying to think. Uh, actually, Chet from uh, the Down the Hall podcast was, <laughs> was like, "Is that a Silent Hamish shirt?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally getting that sweet, sweet notoriety from shirts. Well, here you go, Chet. Promote them on your show. Maybe Hamish will send you one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, there, my name is MC underscore and underscore Friends. And uh, there I post uh, drawings and humorous cartoons and some of my flip page animations that I used to do on Vine. Uh, for Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you'll get a shout-out on the show. And also, if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel, set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can stream these episodes right through your television as they are released. Well, we have been Grant, Matt... Kevin, Hamish, and Scott, this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. This is M. Waverly from the return of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and you've been listening to the Hitting Play podcast. And I'm out of here because there's not a lot of ladies around here. I mean, no offense, guys, but there's not a lot of ladies.